Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of our listeners, wherever you are on the planet. This is World Smart, a podcast from the Aaron Fox Schiff Law Firm. We are your hosts and Aaron Fox Schiff International Practice Group co-chairs. I'm Hunter Carter. And I'm Malcolm McNeil. And we'll be talking with partners, other lawyers, and special guests about topics of interest in the law and in international business. Well, good afternoon, Malcolm. It's good to see you again. Likewise, Hunter. Great to see you. I'm very excited about today's conversation. Uh, our, our guest is quite an interesting man. Tell our listeners who we have with us today. Uh, it, it's ac- absolutely my pleasure and honor. Um, today we have with us Dr. Florian Congoli. Uh, he is um, a man of many talents. He is the principal of a company called Flogen uh, in uh, Canada, but he's known sort of as an author, a statesman, an entrepreneur, a diplomat. Uh, a speaker internationally. Um, he's uh, uh, friends with Nobel laureates and uh, other uh, notables around the world. Um, there's not been a place that I've been to that I have not uh, known where they've not known of Dr. Gungoli in the scientific community. Uh, and uh, there's lots more to talk about about uh, Dr. Gungoli. But what I'm going to do is simply, first of all, say welcome and thank you for joining us, Dr. Gungoli. Oh, it's a pleasure and honor being with you both, Malcolm and Hunter. Uh, We know each other in different uh, ways. With Malcolm, we've been, uh, we know, we knew for the first time each other in China 2015. We were invited both in a Congress. Uh, We had both keynote lectures, Malcolm in law and me in technology. Uh, Since the time, uh, we are good friends. We collaborate. Uh, it's a good col- is actually is one of the best collaboration between science and law, science, technology, and law. And then I know Hunter uh, because we are organizing uh, Hunter International Symposium in his honor in Panama coming soon. And uh, we met by chance uh, recently uh, in, in a very particular way uh, while we were speaking about uh, symposium. Uh, we found out that we were going both in uh, Brazil uh, the same day. We arrived in the same day. And then we found out they were going to the same city. And strangely enough, we found, we found out that we were going exactly in the same hotel, Renaissance Sao Paulo, uh, one of the best hotels in the center of the city. So it's a kind of coincidence. We didn't have enough time to, to speak with each other because, you know, um, we're living to, to meet our customers and uh, Hunter was going to his host. He was invited to give a, a, a lecture in law. So uh, uh, it's really a pleasure to be back again together. Actually, we've never been together, three of us, but uh, it's, a good, uh, it's a good thing. Well, thank you for joining us. And I, I think the best way to kick this off is to talk a bit about Flogen. Uh, I'm sure that our listeners are uh, curious to know what Flogen is uh, and what you do, what what are your uh, goals and aims and what are the business issues. And then we can talk a little bit about SIPs and we'll keep everybody uh, on the edge of their seat regarding that. So tell us about Flogen, doctor. Okay. So basically, there are two corporations. There are two Flogen. One is Flogen Technologies, a high-tech company dealing with uh, process control in chemistry and metal industry. Uh, I am uh, the founder and CEO since 1996 of the company. 
And at the same time, is another corporation. So, by the way, Flogan Technologies Inc. is an American and Canadian uh, company, uh, corporation, both in Canada and U.S., uh, both corporations in both sides of the border. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I, am, uh, I am the chairman of Flogan Star Outreach, which is actually a non-for-profit corporation that uh, I founded uh, years ago, probably um, 15 years ago, uh, because uh, I felt the need uh, to raise the profile of scientists and engineers in the society. They And I found out they didn't have enough uh, enough credit and we needed to honor, uh, to honor them. And uh, the combination between both, uh, you know, the high-tech company and non-profit one uh, actually ended up being very successful. Both companies are very well known in their in their own fields. Uh, I, I just wanted to say that Flogan Tech uh, was uh, the first project was in uh, 1998 in Japan with Mitsubishi and Sumitomo. And since that time, um, you know, that was an interesting story, but I don't think we have time to go there. Um, the uh, uh, Mitsubishi has one of the best technologies of copper producing in the world. Uh, they um, had a problem with which is the only actually technology even today. It was founded in 1976, but uh, it's the only really continuous process that exists in the world even today. Uh, but they had a problem in a specific reactor, and then we were able to solve it while the others couldn't. In the beginning, they didn't believe. Uh, then uh, they hired a professor, one of the famous professors in Japan, uh, to work with us, basically, to find out if we are saying stupidities or no, uh, although it was not said. <laughs> so anyway, we uh, we had thousands of emails with Professor Yazawa, one of the famous person in Japan, in copper. He was convinced, he convinced the industry, we applied gradually, and uh, the technology changed, the recipe changed completely. And it was applied in all countries where Mitsubishi had their own technology in Japan, in uh, Australia, in Indonesia, in Canada, in uh, uh, where else? But every, in South Korea, in South Korea. And uh, when I visited all these companies, they all used to tell me that we've changed the technology because of your your work. So this is where uh, Flogan Technology started, and then it was incorporated in Canada and United States uh, simultaneously. But with projects around the world, uh, we have worked in more than uh, fifty countries now and still working. Basically, uh, we have a unique technology in, in process control and automation. Actually, the process control automation is just an old term. It doesn't fit very well, but since people are used to it, basically our system is design, decision-making, uh, control, optimization, and automation at once. But when we say optimization, it's not just science, it's not just chemistry, it's not just physics, but it is at the same time uh, economics. So uh, we plan, we predict, we predict the the best, the best processing way of doing things, but also with the lowest cost and uh, and. Uh, 
with uh, the lowest cost and the best uh, way uh, to produce uh, one particular metal or one particular product. This is basically the Flogging Star high-tech company. Now, through, uh, through these years, I found out that we need something more to complement the idea of developing new sustainable technologies. And at the basis of developing sustainable technologies are scientists and engineers and technologists, and they do not have the they do not have the the credit that uh, they deserve so uh because of that i founded uh, flogen star outreach which is a non-for-profit corporation with a goal to organize once per year the sustainable industrial processing summit or the equal term now it is sustainability through science and technology in order to raise awareness that Science and technology has a big role to play in 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 achieving sustainability, uh, among other methods. I'm going to speak about a little bit of this later. So this has been also successful. This started the idea in 2003. Actually, it started in Japan, and my by by the way, my PhD is in Japan, and by chance. Uh, you know, the, this is based on the work we did for the first project in Mitsubishi and Sumitomo. They were happy. They extended the, the project for four years in a row with Professor Yazawa, also part of our group. And then that time, Professor Yazawa retired. And uh, since I was very, very, uh, you know, appreciative of him helping and understanding our new technology that was basically considered in the beginning against all literature existing literature not exactly it was uh, uh, literature is okay we're not against uh, literature we were not against literature the issue is that literature was at lab conditions and in the industry uh, passing from lab to industry that's a big challenge and then if you are able to, to pass this gap then you can apply properly things and there where we were anyway i was astonished of the knowledge of professor yazawa and also he used to tell me that you made me open the books again thank you very much so anyway he retired uh, some few, a few years ago and then we thought to organize a symposium dedicated to him and actually we did it this is our first symposium dedicated uh, to a person at that time didn't have a name sips but it was the first without that name it was organized in san diego california it is where there we started in san diego california we and then we did the three the three first ones were in san diego california and then uh, then this became uh, very successful actually it was planned once in two years then became one per year we got the, we we uh, put the name sips and the second one or third one and then as you know has been continuing all uh, every year uh, very successfully around the world we've been in san diego california we've been in uh, uh, don't even remember the places but san diego california we've been in cancun we've been in Hainan island china we've been in um, in um, uh, in antalya turkey in uh, in Phuket, in Thailand, now in Panama, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 2018, in 2017 in uh, in uh, in Cancun again. So I mixed a little bit the years because there have been so many. Uh, it's difficult to, to go one by one uh, chronologically. But uh, basically, uh, we are we are in the 15th uh, edition, it should have been 17, 
but during COVID we stopped. We didn't like Zoom meetings. So uh, that's uh, here we are in short uh, overview of my activities. So basically I have two hats. I love, I love them both. They complement each other. And uh, since Flogen Tech is dedicated to, to make the existing technology sustainable in one track and the other track in parallel to develop new technologies, sustainable technologies. And on the other side, SIPs, owners, people that help uh, sustainability and then uh, raise awareness to, uh, to achieve sustainability through science and technology. And at the same time, it's a high-tech, it's a science-based and technology-based uh, conference with publications, peer review publication, and with an average right now, about 500 presentations from 80 countries every year. Thank you for that, doctor. That was quite comprehensive. But you, it raises an interesting question. Uh, for those of us in the legal community, we are hearing a variety of definitions of the phrase or the word sustainability. Um, in your experience, based on your dual hats and the passions that you demonstrated for the businesses, do you have a definition of sustainability that you use in your work uh, that you would uh, share with us? Yeah, sure. That is our one of our achievements, actually. Thank you for that question, because I'll bring it up. Um, what's during all these years, uh, starting from, uh, you know, from China when we met, but even before, before uh, I used to uh, participate in a kind of sustainability conference in India, but at that time nobody was speaking about technology. Nobody was speaking about uh, it. Was mostly a political concept. Uh, you know, you could not see there the science. You could not see this, there the law. You cannot see in many things that we are we are used to see uh, today. On top of that, there was huge confusion. Actually, it is huge confusion in definition of sustainability, and this is a big issue. Uh, why uh, now? The when we started this, sustainability was not a popular term. We tried to um, to give the dimension of technology and science and sustainability, but it was just simply political. At that time, every actually everybody was against technology. Um, uh, you know, uh, the, <laughs> I have many, many you know stories about this where people used to say, "You get, uh, you get slay. You should forget the iPhone or uh, mobile phones because you get." You become slave of technology. Um, you, we, for example, in India in 2012, somebody made a presentation. We should close down the whole heavy industry. We're speaking 2012. So we should close down the whole industry because we are in an emergency situation. So that, that is the only solution. I argued with the same, uh, the same person. In, it was in a room about a uh, thousand people. I said... Uh, it is my friend, actually. It's a known person. I, I said to him that uh, this technology, the solution, we cannot close down instead of closing. The, if you close down everything, you create more problems than you uh, try to save. So you, you, you could not, uh, you cannot uh, essentially, you know, uh, shut down the whole industry. Uh, we agree to disagree. Uh, a year later in the same conference, the guy has changed his mind. And then he was, his, his title of presentation, without telling me, the title of presentation is how the cell phone technology helps 
helped uh, Arab revolution. I couldn't believe my eyes, but then uh, I said, Jeffrey, you remember our debate last year of Florian, good to, you, to see you here. Uh, so basically, I was able to change the ideas of people. And then since this, uh, I guess uh, your question would be the confusion. The confusion still exists. It exists. Everybody is trying. The term is popular. Everybody is trying to put at that term everything they hold dear. They put culture. They put, uh, you know, uh, human rights. They put, uh, uh, you know, anything. They put government at the definition of sustainability. Actually, you are putting pears and apple in one bag. Nobody knows what it is. So, doctor, uh, as we know, there are many definitions of sustainability that are floating around right now in the legal, political, and scientific communities. Uh, tell me, do you have your own personal definition of sustainability? Yes, and we are proud of it. Uh, we have uh, developed it in 2015, and I'm explaining briefly what it is. And this came up as a necessity because of a confusion existing in literature where people were mixing apples and pears in one basket and nobody knew exa exactly what it is. So our definition is simple and all-inclusive, but uh, uh, and this is composed of two two uh, uh, two main um, components. One are the criterias and one are the pillars. So the pillars are actors. So in order to be sustainable, for us, you have to fulfill simultaneously three criterias, which are environmental protection, uh, economic growth, and social development. They are equally important. And then they have to be fulfilled simultaneously. Any of those, for us, any of those criteria is not fulfilled, you are not sustainable. And this is a reason because I know why I say that. If you deal only classically, if you take care only of the economic growth and uh, do not care about environment or the social development, then you're not going to go long. And then we are actually a little bit at the same situation today. Uh, on the other side, the other extreme is if you take care of environment, but forget the economic growth, forget the uh, increasing the quality of human life, then uh, this will not also go far also. Because why? Because if a person that has no, nothing to eat, he is not going to take care of the environment for sure. So economic growth is very important and social development is important because um, if... if uh, on the, for the sake of you know of protecting the environment, then we make life of people miserable. Then we are not sustainable because this will create huge problem in the future. So uh, this is just uh, we can expand this uh, this idea, but uh, mainly this is what it is. There are three criteria; they have to be fulfilled simultaneously. But uh, and these this criteria, people try to put everything, government, culture, etc., etc. Government, culture are not criteria of sustainability. They are actors. They can hinder or help sustainability. That's why our definition, our definition has three actors, science and technology, uh, um, government and management, and education and civil society. So it is a table with three pillars. Any of those pillars that 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 holds 
the sustainability three criteria. Any of those pillars goes down, the whole structure goes down. Excellent, doctor. Thank you so much. I'd like to turn this over to my other pillar uh, for purposes of this interview, and that's Hunter Carter. Hunter, I'll I'll throw it to you now. Uh, Thank you, Malcolm. I I found it fascinating, doctor, when we first met and since we've been talking, the way you conceive of the discussion about sustainability. You know, as Malcolm indicated, you know, popularly in political and other circles, maybe it only means the environmental part. But as your criteria dictate, there has to be more than just environmental sustainability. There must be the economic development, the quality of life, and the social development. Um, and, and your three actors also bring me to my question. So one of, one of the actors, of course, is um, one of the reasons why you've invited me and I've accepted. And I'm very pleased to be able to be coordinating with you on pulling together some lawyers to talk about lawyers and sustainability. We are... Actors, we are one of those three groups of actors. Um, we actually affect maybe all of them except for the scientific part more directly than others. Um, and, 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 and so my, my question is, you know, how did you come up with the idea that, that lawyers um, and, and lawyering and the law have an essential role to play in sustainability beyond just the environmental? Oh, that's an excellent question. Well, I can expand a lot of that from history, from our new technologies and the need to uh, to uh, of a patent or to decide between a patent and a trade secret. So this has been uh, since 2018 our need. So this was on the technology side, but on the sustainability side, uh, it is. Um, feel free to ask me if you want me to expand on this because there's a whole story behind each of the words I say. It's a whole story. But in terms of sustainability, as I said, there are three criteria, science and technology, government and management. And the government, it's a, it's, it's a, com- it's a composite term that includes, you know, the all branches of the government and includes the law. Uh, and why? It's very, let, let me give uh, just an example, a very, very popular example. No, it's not a popular example, but it's a popular theme today which actually is not new, but it's like this, the society goes. Artificial intelligence, AI. We've been working for artificial intelligence on in my uh, high-tech company for a long time. We didn't call it artificial intelligence, it's automation. It's, as I said, um, automation. If you automate things, basically you make things, machines to learn and, uh, and, uh, and, and act in the way they want. Not the way you want, but in a controlled way. So in my presentation, normally I present two videos. In one video, it is a, it is a drone that saves human lives because it becomes an ambulance. And in another video, the drone can be used to steal people. It goes in the middle of the street, uh, tell them, give me your wallet or I kill you. And he can, he can shoot you with a gun. So the drones can be used both ways. And this is the need, the the role of the government and the legal system. They have to design a framework that the technological developments are not used against the human life, the three criteria of sustainability. One of them is quality of human life. So if you use AI against the interests of humanity, that has to be prohibited. Uh, the, the the parliament, the uh, House of uh, the Commons, the Congress have to enact laws to 
prohibit using of new technologies against humanity. But to apply these laws and to protect these laws, that's where the lawyers are very important. So it's yeah. a it's a it's a very very you know important role in this uh, in this framework. The uh, the uh, historian and professor and author Dr. Juval Noah Harari has written, of course, you probably well know this book, *Sapiens*, and then um, *Homo Deus* is the book that comes afterwards. It examines the history of the human race, and it gets to the point you're making there, uh, Doctor, which is that as we emerge into this um, uh, Anthropocene age, we have to face new frameworks for how our beings relate to one another. How will we augment human reality? Will we, how will we augment through chips, through, through AI, through uh, uh, various other forms of medical enhancement? Um, will, we, will we evolve? And so we need to be thinking as a legal matter what the frameworks for those environments will be. Already we have the metaverse and it's upsetting settled expectations about intellectual property rights. Is a trademark the same or a trademark sneaker the same when you see just a representation of it in a three-dimensional uh, virtual space? You know, that's a set, that's something the law has been trying to deal with. The law has been trying to deal with how can you enforce rights, contract rights, intellectual property rights within the metaverse if you don't know who it is that you would sue? Would you have a virtual court? Are there smart contracts? All these legal questions you know, are terribly fascinating. Um, but we're also at a time in the evolution of the human race on the planet through the population and its impact on the environment um, that settled systems for legal protection, including human rights systems, need to be reevaluated. Do human rights systems provide for justice if they don't provide for enough security? I mean, all of these are fascinating questions, and I've, I've accepted your invitation to bring together um, a bunch of people, as you know, we have invited, you know, literally to think about that. Um, and, you know, I wonder if your scientist friends who are focused on the automation of industrial processes will be shocked to find out that in the next room, someone is talking about how to improve access to justice. Oh, yeah. Well, we we have experience on that. Uh, so uh, in previous uh, symposium, law symposium, there are many interesting people from the scientific community that uh, that come uh, to to hear uh, the lawyers presentations and uh, actually uh, this is the strong uh, the strong point of sips uh, since uh, i didn't mention it uh, sips is the uh, you know the main activity one of the main activity of Logan star outreach Logan star outreach is so uh, sips has um, is like kind of uh, you know flagship event of Flogging Star. So that's why uh, SIPS is completely, you cannot find a similar activity or event around the world. Why? Because it gathers within the, uh, in, within, uh, on the same roof uh, all fields of science and uh, law and medicine. And this is exactly for the purpose you mentioned. Uh, why? Because the scientists need the law, the lawyers need the scientists, the technologies need the scientists without scientists, without uh, the lawyers because they cannot uh, they cannot even apply for a for a, uh, for a patent uh, without uh, the help of lawyers they sometimes do not know what is involved why the patents is important they know the generality but sometimes they do not know 
not everywhere and or at any occasion patent is a good tool. So this is the lawyers can explain how a patent can protect them. But this is specific for a specific case. Sometimes trade secret is most imp- more important than a patent. But this is a case by case basis to be decided. And the lawyers are the people who can decide and give advice on this. So, you know, that's uh, that's, that's the purpose to return to your question. That's the purpose of having all the fields of law, of science and law and medicine under the same roof. Scientists and technologists, again, need lawyers. Lawyers need scientists and technologists because it is, as you mentioned, you mentioned several fields of science. Uh, you know, how we can make it automate the, can we make virtual, uh, you know, courtrooms? Uh, that has to be decided, that has to be uh, analyzed with positive and negative things with advantage and disadvantages. But if we are not under the same roof, forget it. If, if, well, I if, really appreciate that the opportunity has been created for people who have been devoted to thinking about sustainability as a scientific matter to now meet with us. And I'm looking forward to the lunch and breakfast and other sessions that we'll have, uh, interdisciplinary sessions that we'll have in order for that kind of feedback uh, to happen. You know, I think those of us who work on anti-corruption and hope to see an improvement in the democratic institutions around the world through, through fighting corruption or those of us who work on private dispute resolution and hope to overcome weak legal systems by, you know, establishing reasonably reliable international private legal arrangements through arbitration. The, the, the whole objective of that is to really build lasting institutions for the betterment and sustainability of, of all of us. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I thank you for expanding my mind about that. Malcolm, back over to you to close out our interview. Sure. Well, that was a fascinating discussion because uh, I think between uh, your perspective of the scientific and technological uh, needs that uh, are filled by lawyers, uh, at least we collaborate in connection with those and Hunter's rundown of the areas of the law that apply. I I guess one of the most um, um, thoughtful questions that I can ask you at this moment is um, what is it? that lawyers can do better in a, in dealing with the scientific and technological communities to make sure that we collaborate efficiently, effectively, and uh, in concert? Well, everybody has to do better, not just lawyers. Uh, but this is SIPS, Sustainability Through Science and Technology event, is the first one and the only one existing in the world since uh, more than uh, probably 20 years now. That our, our first legal symposium, actually, it was in Cancun 2011. It was not dedicated to a person, but it was the first legal session among scientists in Cancun 2011. So we have a program there in the website. Still, all our summits are in the website and never deleted because the history is important. Uh, but uh, not only lawyers, scientists and technology have to be have to do better both both ways. Uh, since we are the only one bringing together lawyers uh, and, and technologists and science and doctors for for the same reason, doctors need lawyers every single day, you know. And the scientists, uh, you know, we, for any errors or or alleged error, 
It's a lawyer who can protect them. So um, uh, it's this cooperation. It's extremely important, and this is that's why you are proud of, proud of SIPS. We are the only one bringing lawyers and scientists and technologists and doctors together under the same roof. In the beginning, it was a little bit, you know, a, a little bit not so easy to to make the point. But now people are feeling better and better and better. Uh, so um, this cooperation within the uh, within uh, within SIPS. It is a, a, a major thing that we are proud of. And we are, uh, when I said we're doing better, even us as organizer can do better. Probably we can mix more uh, legal sessions with technology sessions. So in order to create synergy between all the group of people. So uh, scientists and have problems all the time. Sometimes they have a problem uh, of uh, somebody suing somebody because, okay, you got my idea. Ideas are free. If you have don't have a knowledge or advice of a lawyer, you can give any ideas. I, I guess ideas are not are not patented. <laughs> you cannot protect the ideas, but you have to have the knowledge from the lawyer in order to know what to say and not to say. Exactly. You know? Well, you know, Doctor, I think what I would like to add to that is you talked about the first symposium back in 2011, but it was not uh, dedicated to a particular lawyer's uh, process. Well, I was, you were honored me in 2019 in Cyprus with the McNeil Symposium. And the thing that made it most gratifying is that the scientists were invited to the legal um, track. And what happened there was that the dialogue was between lawyers and scientists and other, uh, I'll say technical folks, which included the IT and, uh, and, um, biotech, uh, Nobel laureates who attended. So that dialogue, I think, which you helped to establish in that format is, is what will help to assure that there's a better understanding of the roles that each professional plays in the process. And and with I I I trust you agree with that because yes your sure. formula I believe yeah but uh, just a point I want to make since uh, since uh, in uh, 2019 with McNeil International Symposium we have uh, achieving we have achieved a different a higher level of uh, integration with lawyers and scientists so it has been a, a big step ahead so and then uh, with the uh, uh, with cooperation between uh, between the uh, Beverly Hill uh, Law Association and uh, and the Flogen Star, uh, we are and through Carter International Symposium upcoming this year and in, and the uh, years to come, we are doing the one you said how we can do better and we are going at the same direction. Imagine, for example, in two thousand and uh, last year, I mean, in in uh, in Phuket, uh, we had a uh, a, a round table we call it or a panel discussion uh, and this is actually the unique in the world what was in that panel it was there were about uh, uh, four Nobel laureates uh, all all in chemistry uh, three uh, two in chemistry two in medicine it was the uh, vice president of uh, European Research Council uh, it was a CEO in Japan, the invent, uh, inventor of one of the most antioxidants uh, pills in the world, uh, and and it was 
Malcolm there as a lawyer. Imagine this panel, you cannot see it anywhere in the world. And this this comes to your first question also. To the, uh, the idea is the, the antioxidant pill of Tima Japan, CO is there. Uh, one of the effects of that pill is to, inc to increase the human longevity, to, 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 to increase the number of years that a human being can, uh, you can live in a good condition. Okay, so then starting from this, we discussed about this issue. And then starting from this, my question to Malcolm was, this is a question for the Supreme Court of US. Is it a human right to live 200 years old? To be, I mean, to, to sorry, to live up to 200 years? Is this a human right? And now you can see this in so many directions. If you see this restrictions, of economy is a different story. But a human right does not depend on the economy. So it is a human right or it is not a human right. This is an issue. And this comes only when scientists, doctors, and Nobel laureate and Malcolm representing lawyers were in the same panel. You do not have this panel anywhere in the world. Thank you, doctor. I want to thank you for taking uh, a generous amount of your time and joining us for this uh, podcast. Uh, it's fascinating. We could probably go on three or four more hours with additional concepts relating to sustainability, integration of professions and communication. Uh, and uh, I thank you for taking the time. Hunter, would you like to uh, say a few words in conclusion? No, but thank you again, Dr. Congoli, for the honor and the privilege of assembling this symposium and bringing these ideas forward. I'm looking forward to sharing them uh, with scientists and others uh, in just the way you and, and Malcolm have, to, have, have uh, described. Uh, so with that, we will uh, thank you and say goodbye and wait for our next podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure for me also.